This time on episode 346 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Luke Cage, season two, episode one, Soul Brother, and season two, episode two, Straighten It Out. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm the producer of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, August 20th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Michelle, happy National Chocolate Pecan Pie Day. Wow. It's chocolate, it's pecan, and it's pie. Man, that's a trifecta of goodness. See, that's what I'm thinking here. But in the National Day calendar, they say, well, if you just don't like chocolate in your pecan pie, that day is July 12th every year. So if you want to wait till the chocolate one, you have to wait till August 20th, 2020. Of course, you can have each pie whatever day of the year. It's just this is the national day for it. So I think it's special chocolate pecan pie. I don't think I've ever had it, but I think it's a special day. Yes, yes, indeed. So listener, if you actually have had chocolate pecan pie and you would like to tell us if you would prefer the chocolate version or the regular version, please let us know. And with that, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the I can't say it anymore, can I? No. So I will just have to say Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because coffee is still coffee. If you'd like to talk to us about Claire's extra special roast, you can go to our website, legendsofshield.com. We have a voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1, 844-843-2871. If you listen to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and drink coffee, leave us a comment on our Facebook page at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tell us what your favorite brew of coffee is on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can talk all about coffee on our Discord server at geek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network. Well, we alluded to it at the end of the previous episode, which if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend that you go listen to it because it is literally the last episode that we did on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We won't be doing any more episodes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Never say never. We might do a rewatch. You know, that's good because the reunion can happen on August 12th every year there you go all right so that's a possibility but for now that is the last episode that was made of agents of shield we're not anticipating going back to it 
So go ahead and listen into that. It's a phenomenal episode. The ladies did a great job. I was just there flipping the switches for an hour, 40 minutes. It was an extended version as well. At the end of that, we talked about our plans for the future. We've alluded to it before. We're going to get in a little bit of detail in it right now because we want your feedback. In our post-Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. era, the plan is for at least the next seven weeks, we're going to be covering season two of Luke Cage. We'll be covering two episodes per week. There are 13 episodes, so that's going to mean the finale is going to be its own episode. So that's going to take us at least until October 1st, 2020. I say at least because there's a reason. After that, there's at least three more Marvel Netflix seasons to cover that we haven't already covered. There is also Iron Fist after Luke Cage, but we already covered that before the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so that's out of the way. After Luke Cage and Iron Fist, there are three other series, final seasons, Daredevil season three, Punisher season two, and we finish up the entire thing with Jessica Jones season three. So if we cover nothing else and just cover the Marvel Netflix series, that takes us at least until the last week of March 2021. Here are some other possibilities. If the ladies want to cover the New Mutants movie, which releases August 26, 2020, and I think we're going to have to wait for home release on that. We are because if, okay, here's the thing. If they did a Mulan and they actually streamed it, I would buy it. And I think we would too watch it at home and do a show on it. But I love you, dear audience, but I like being alive. So I am not going to go see it in theaters. And it does come out August 26th. If they do transfer in a week or two, I mean, you got to think that there's a lot of theaters open right now without anything to play in it. But if they're not going to get a lot of people to go to the theaters, then Disney might say, hey, we need to make something odd for this. And they might go to the streaming service early. I don't know. Stay tuned on that. There has been no announcement. I'm like Michelle. If I was going to cover this, I would wait for the home release at this point. Anyway, that's supposed to be coming out August 26th. And if the ladies want to cover Hellstrom on Hulu, which is the official last Marvel TV is that what it's called? Marvel's TV studios. I think that's what it was called. That is the official last series from it. It releases October 16th, 2020 on Hulu. There's 10 episodes. That would be about five weeks there. I'd want to cover that. Even though we have all these Netflix series, I'd want to cover that more towards when it comes out. So again, that'll be the ladies. I don't particularly want to cover Hellstrom. Who knows? I might, I will produce the show, but I will not be covering it. The next thing that comes out is Black Widow, which is scheduled right now for November 6th, 2020. It's followed by The Eternals, February 12th, 2021. And then Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings is scheduled for May 7th, 2021. If we covered those three or any one of them, that would push us out from that March 2021 timeframe. Uh, not going to see Black Widow in the theaters. Again, if they do the same thing with Mulan then we could do it earlier. Yes. Now let's talk about the Disney Plus series. So there are three, and check me if I'm incorrect, Michelle. I only found three. We've only been talking about three. I don't know of any more out there, but there are three Disney Plus series that are Marvel-related. There's another one. It's the What If. Oh, the What If one. And that's six episodes as well? Something like that. Six yeah. to ten. 
Do you know when that was scheduled to come out? Early next year. Okay. So let's go through them. What I've uncovered. There's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was supposedly late 2020. They slipped it to 2021, but then they said, no, wait, we'll do it in late 2020. So I don't know what's going on with that right now. We've got a couple of news articles that are linked to the announcements. And right now it's supposed to be a late 2020. Again, that's six episodes. We probably want to do that one at a time. So that'd be like six weeks right there. WandaVision was scheduled for late 2020, but now I think they're saying early 2021. Again, TBD, nothing firm right there. It is six episodes. Loki was supposed to come out in spring of 2021, and that was supposed to be have six episodes as well. So if you take all of that combined, and I didn't account for the what if, but everything but what if would be about September 2021 if we covered everything. And then if you add the what if series and it had six episodes, then it would be like October, November 2021. So that's kind of our schedule that we have lined up right now nothing's firm in stone other than the fact that we are now covering luke cage and we'll do it until it's done the bottom line is stay tuned for what legends of shield will cover we're not going anywhere quite yet if we eventually run out of things to cover then we might take a few weeks off but that is what our plan is right now if you want to give us any feedback on what we are going to cover in the future and i know several of you already have But if you really want to do that, we would appreciate your feedback. There's several different ways that you could do that. You could email me, stargatepioneer at guineageek.com. Every email that comes from a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. audience member, listener, viewer, I send directly to the lady agents. Michelle, you have always received something within an hour, maybe four hours at max that I get it, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you can tweet us at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. But if you do that, it kind of gets lost in our timeline, so we may or may not pick it up. I'm just being real right there. We do all see it, but except for Haley, because she admitted that she hasn't logged into Twitter for two years. But Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be a way to get a hold of us. Probably the second best way to get a hold of us, other than my email, is voicemail, which that voicemail number is still out there. It's 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. Please let us know what you are looking forward to for us to cover as we go forward, because this podcast is mainly for you, our listener, and we're just here driving the bus, riding in the bus as we go through all of this. So, Michelle, anything else that I forgot to say with that? Yeah, we still got stuff to cover, even though, look, even if, all the Disney Plus stuff gets pushed back a little bit more. There's rewatching parts of Shield. There is the animated cartoon from the 90s that's on Disney Plus. It might be in, not in order, but it's still there. There's stuff to talk about. There's always, it's Marvel. There's always stuff to talk about. We could even go back and do any of like, I don't know, the previous other things, like just whatever. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. I agree. There is a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. And that is what I just said. I ran down the, the main points, but there's other stuff, as you mentioned as well. I don't know. I was thinking it'd be kind of neat if each one of us picked one of our favorite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode and we revisited it or something like that and tried to tie it into the entire storyline from front to back, something like that. We can do that. 
So if you have any ideas, let us know. I already gave you their contact information. By the way, I know this is a little bit into the show, but I have to say that we are the only two people on this podcast right now. Agent Haley is not with us because she had to work. She is anticipating being able to come back next week. So we look forward to her takes on the first four episodes of Luke Cage next week. Agent Lauren, she's mentioned it before. If you've listened to the post credit scenes that I put in in every episode, she's running some medical issues. She is alert, awake right now, and she was texting or actually tweeting back and forth earlier tonight with me. She wants to send her regrets for not being here. She's looking forward to being able to get her surgery pretty soon and then getting all the pain behind her and be able to come back to the show full time. Until then, we'll take her whenever we can get her and we will just move on from there. So that's where the two lady agents are tonight. And if you want to send your thoughts out to them, go ahead and you can uh, tweet Sithwitch, which is probably the best way to get a hold of her, or you can send up smoke signals for Haley because she works in the sky. All right, Michelle, you ready to talk some Luke Cage? Sure. Okay, let's get to it. Luke Cage Season 2 was published to Netflix June 22nd, 2018. We're only slightly over two years from when this was published, so I'll call that a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. win. The first episode that we're going to talk tonight about, the premiere episode of Season 2, which is Season 2, Episode 1, Soul Brother, was directed by, and I did not catch, I think I caught this when I first watched the Season 2, we'll get back to that in a second. But I didn't realize it again until I was reading the show notes earlier today. It was directed by the Lucy Liu. Yes, if you know that name, it is the Lucy Liu. It's not somebody else that's named Lucy Liu, whatever. This is the actor and director Lucy Liu. It was an amazing episode for her, and I'm glad she was able to do it. We'll talk more about that later. She has seven directing credits, so this wasn't her first, starting in 2012 including one episode of Graceland, one episode of Luke Cage, one episode of Law and Order SVU, seven episodes of Elementary, which she was starring on, one episode of Why Women Kill, and one episode of New Amsterdam. It was written by the showrunner Cheo Hadari Coker, who has 13 writing credits starting in 2009, including five episodes of Southland, three episodes of NCIS Los Angeles, one episode of Almost Human, one episode of Ray Donovan and five episodes of Luke Cage. By the way, he's also credited as the creator. Michelle, you want to run down the creative team for Straighten It Out? Sure. Straighten It Out was directed by Steph Green, who has 20 directing credits starting in 2001, including one American Gothic, two Scandal, two of the Americans, one Preacher, one Luke Cage, one The Man in the High Castle, and one episode of Watchmen. The episode was written by Akela Cooper, has 11 writing credits starting in 2012, including one Tron Uprising, three Grimm, three of the 100, four Luke Cage, two Avengers Assemble, and one Chambers. So, Michelle, we often equate the theme of the episode to the title of the episode. We're talking two episodes tonight. The first is Soul Brother. Would you care to take a stab at what that title means? Well, Luke Cage is back from prison and he. He's kind of famous 
And it's sort of like that whole, he says like, I am Harlem. And it's almost like he's their brother to everyone in Harlem, that he's, he's trying to be the good guy. There's that whole question if he's the police, if he's a vigilante and everything. But it just seems that he's trying to be like the good guy. Everybody's friend. Unless you're a drug dealer, then he's throwing you through a window. Or gets thrown through a window himself. We don't talk about that later as well. All right, I'll run with that. The second title is Straighten It Out. And that's an interesting title. Do you have any clues as to what that means? People got issues, man. And they need to straighten themselves out. You've got Luke and his dad. You've got Mariah and her daughter. You've got Mariah and Shades. Shades got some stuff going on as well because he shoots that guy because he talked bad. Yeah. He he tells Mariah. Mariah. Yeah. There's just some stuff that start. It's like this is when a lot of trouble is starting. And because of that, you got to straighten themselves out. Lauren had a little note in the show notes that I want to credit it for. The episode titles this season are from Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. That's important to note. I'm sure we should talk about that a little bit later. Go back to Soul Brother a little bit. Because of the club that Luke Cage is centered around, there are some phenomenal, amazing, talented people that are performing on stage. And in these two episodes, you have Joy and Gary Clark Jr. on and... It was great performances. I remember watching this for the first time. Let me back up into that. So, Michelle, this is the first time that you've watched Luke Cage, correct? This season, yes. Yes. This is my second time through. So before we did Iron Fist, the final season of Iron Fist, technically in the timeline, Luke Cage was before that. We elected not to cover Luke Cage after we covered season two of Jessica Jones because we didn't have enough time to cover it before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came on. Look, Iron Fist was 10 episodes. We had five weeks until S.H.I.E.L.D. premiered. I made the decision because, look, if we had done Luke Cage, there would have been like these three episodes that we would have to waited until now to talk about. I made the executive decision to have Iron Fist if fit so nice and I take credit for that. I'm not going to disagree because I was not in a position to argue that time or any other time with the ladies. Anyway, my point was I needed to be completionist and I watched all of Luke Cage before we got to Iron Fist. And I'm glad I did because of what happened in Iron Fist. And I was able to put some things together that would have seemed a little bit off to me. Otherwise, it is the only series that I have done that with. And I will watch, I've been debating on how this turns out because I know you've had issues because you've watched everything up to this point before we actually covered it. And it was like, I don't know what I could say, what I can't say. I don't want to tip anything off, that sort of thing. And I, I'm about at that point with this, but I'm playing it like I have no clear memory of how it all goes. There's a couple of big plot points that are sticking in my mind, but other than that, I am good to podcast this way and debating in the future whether I'm going to watch the rest of the Netflix stuff or not before we get to it. So I just want to caveat that. I have seen Luke Cage already once through. This is my second 
watch through. Soul Brother was such a great episode. You have to think of where Luke Cage, the character, is at this point. He's had his first season. He's had the Defenders. There was a whole prison time in there. He is back in Harlem, and he is taking care of the neighborhood. And if you think of that context of the story, that he's just taking care of the neighborhood, but all this other stuff was happening while he was doing the Defenders and in prison, he's coming back, and there are some moving parts. So that is my first note for the episode of Soul Brother, is that there are so many moving parts that really set up the rest of the season. And even if I hadn't seen the rest of the season, I would know that because you've got the Harlem's Hero app. You have the people actually following him around, which that hadn't happened before. You had potential sponsorship deals because now these superheroes are out in the open and they need money to survive. We've gone through that with Jessica Jones. Misty is coming back from her brutal amputation and having to deal with the effects of Scarf's actions before. You have Luke's father coming back into the consideration as you were talking about before, Michelle. You have new characters like Billy. She comes out of nowhere. Keep an eye on her. And then you have Bushmaster. I had no idea who Bushmaster was before. I'm really excited to watch his journey in the show because there is a point of view in any of these characters that they're the hero in their own story. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at Bushmaster. Mariah Dillard. Mariah Stokes. That is a big issue that keeps on happening. And I guess that's where I want to start her relationship with Shades. The poor waiter at the club that comes over, and I don't know if he was making a jab or not. I kind of think he was, because how do you work in the place where the owner is sitting in right in front of you, and you don't realize that the owner's boyfriend is... I think they were someplace else. Oh, I thought they were at the club. No. If you were at the club, you wouldn't be making that, because everyone at the club knows what's going down. I think they were out somewhere. Okay. Well, do you think he was insulting or do you think he was just trying to make a connection? I think he was trying to hit on Mariah. Oh, he was. That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Huh. That's something that you try to gauge a relationship. And I think that's what he was trying to do. And I think that's why Shades beat him up is because he realized he was coming on to Mariah. Shades is very protective of Mariah, and it comes up in both of these episodes, not only with the waiter, but in the second episode, when you're dealing with uh, one of the people they're trying to sell guns to. And then Shades' right-hand man, Comanche, is trying to call it like it is, and Shades is having none of it. It's very interesting watching their relationship as well. Shades knows he needs some backup, and he knows that Comanche is right there with him. And I think that's the only reason why he's letting Comanche get away with all this stuff. Because I'm watching these episodes, and I'm like, if I'm Shades and this is how I would feel, I would just beat the crap out of Comanche and set the record straight right there. But he lets him get away with it and argues back and forth rather than physically intimidates him. So that was interesting to watch. How do you think about the Shades and the Comanche relationship in these two episodes? 
I think you're on to something. Shades, he can't make Mariah his entire world. I think he knows there is danger in that. Now, Mariah doesn't realize there's danger in making Shades her entire world. I think Shades comes up at the end of the next episode when Mariah's daughter comes and Mariah asks Shades to exit, which really on the surface, she just wants to spend some time with her estranged daughter. It's not like she kicked him out just because she hasn't been with her daughter in a while, but Shades has really worked hard in having Mariah be dependent on him and making sure Mariah thinks he's her entire world. And in order to do that, you have to make sure you have your own sense of self. And I think that's what Comanche is there to do, is to make sure that to ground Shades and his plan, because this is what I think is going on. You know, you know what's going on, but I've seen, I've experienced this behavior before and I've seen it in other people, but he really is trying to make her his for example that painting keeps coming up and that painting she keeps saying that's been in her family and he's wanting to sell it over the club it's basically him asking her to cut ties with what grounds her with the whole family thing and to do what he wants that's like the last claw he's trying to get into her and it's not quite breaking the skin because she won't let that painting go yet. She is deluding herself. That is absolutely true. She's trying to make this Hail Mary deal. That's my words, not the show's words of selling the gun business so that they can get into the plastics business because they know this company is going to be acquired and they're going to end up making billions of dollars out of it from inside information. I mean, they're criminals. Of course, they want inside information. So she's pinning everything of her future on this deal and she's deluding herself in the fact that you have to make some compromises when you're going forward with certain things she doesn't want to make any compromises she doesn't want to sell the painting she doesn't want to break those ties with the family like you said she still is tied to the matriarch of the family and she still says well i'm better than you are to this picture up on the bar in her office, she just can't let go of that stuff. And yet she wants to move on and legitimize everything and set everything up for the future. This has the hallmarks of everything going bad. They get three criminals in to try to get the best deal or decide who they're going to sell the guns to. Right away, they've got one and at the end of the second episode two that are not a possibility anymore so their options are limited right from the get-go i just think this was a bad idea and she doesn't want to retract she just wants to keep going and that's her personality but it's a faulty personality she's going ahead there's no risk management basically it's a hail mary and it's like you're at a poker game and you have a really weak hand and you go all in thinking you can bluff your way to the victory and then you end up losing everything. That's what this is the hallmark is. 
She's got in the episode one, she's got her cards. She feels really good because anything is possible, but she's just taking those risks right away with the hand. Yeah. You don't have to be a genius to realize things are not going to work out for her. No. The other thing that we, everybody really loved was Luke and Claire's relationship at the season one. Right. And there are some serious cracks beginning to show. I think episode one was okay. They were talking it through and everything, but episode two came around and the two of them were clashing quite a bit. They had a little montage of argument scenes going on between the two of them. That was kind of painful to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm not really on Claire's side. I am estranged from my father. I haven't seen him in, I think, 20 some odd years. If he just showed up and really, he technically dead names Luke. Luke was named, you know, was bored Carl, but he keeps saying that that's not his name anymore. He keeps saying, my name is Luke Cage, but his father keeps dead naming him. And I think Claire doesn't see that because that hurts on a lot of levels. So you have that section. And then there's the whole Luke obviously tried to maintain the relationship, but the father kept rejecting. I've been in that boat. And now the father's coming around and, and now trying to lecture him and has the story of the two wolves and all this type of stuff. And then Claire's going around, well, gee, if my father came around, I really would like to make, it's like, you know what, Claire, step back, step back, girl, step it back. You'll learn a little bit more about Claire's past as the season goes on as well, which just makes this whole clash thing more and more predominant and just keep an eye on it. The fights. We love to talk about the fights. There was the drug lab fight at the very beginning, which Luke Cage is bulletproof. We've gone through that. As a matter of fact, they're using the term bulletproof to name Luke Cage. Like that's his nickname in the app and in the social media and stuff like that. Although Claire calls him Power Man. So that was pretty cool, right? But he goes into the drug lab and he shuts it down because they're using his name on a version of heroin that's being sold. They're it's the Luke Cage, you know, it's the bomb. Can't go wrong with Luke Cage, this sort of thing. And he just wants to take everything down. But when you're fighting organized drug trafficking, it's very difficult to do and it's dispersed. So you take one person down, you take one lab down, one small lab, because it wasn't a huge lab. It was just a room. It was a small lab. Or you take a corner drug dealer out. And another one's going to pop up. He even mentions like you take one down to pop up. So, okay. But it was a nice fight. And he even looks at him when he walks in the door and they point guns at him. He's like, really? Because he knows how it's going to end. And they're like, look, we have to make it look like we tried. It's not like we want to do this. It's not like we don't know how this is going to end. But in order for us to be living after this, so our boss doesn't kill us. We need to make it look like that. So they start lighting him up and he takes everybody down. That was just classic Luke Cage. I liked that. It was a great way to start the series. It was. That was, that was really funny because I think a lot of working people could just be like, look, I just got to make this look good. Even non-criminals. It's just interesting. 
And it's really interesting. Like when you talk about like the fights in the cage, it's really just people trying to hurt Luke Cage. And later on, the Judas bullet doesn't work. And even he's surprised by that. Like he gets blown up in the uh, semi trailer part. And then the Judas bullet doesn't work. And, and he gets a little cocky. I am with Claire. You just can't go around going, oh, this worked out. I must be invincible. Claire does have a point. Something will eventually hurt you. It's going to be out there. But he does. It's just interesting. They're kind of one-sided fights right now. They are until... No, they they are. This, these entire two series, they are. It was really funny after the drug lab thing. So he's going home and there's this drug dealer on the corner. I have to think it's away from where this fight was because if it was anywhere near this fight, you'd hear the semi-automatic weapons and you'd want to get out of there, right? So he's just walking past the corner that this drug dealer is on. And it comes up behind the drug dealer, which how a drug dealer allows somebody to sneak up behind them is beyond me. And it wasn't like Luke was sneaking either. But anyway, he sneaks up behind him and just whispers in the guy's ear, say my name. All right, <laughs> Destiny's Child. And so he runs away. He's like, oh, that's Luca. He runs away. So that was pretty cool. I, you know, I want to do that. I just want to go around New York City sneaking up on people and, and whispering in their ear, saying, I'll probably end up arrested. But, you know. On a good day. Yeah, on a good day. The next thing that happened was just tremendous CGI. I loved it. I love the way. And I don't know if they're using the same FFX people that have done ghost rider or not but the flames when the trailer blew up when luke cage went in there and then he just walked out which his clothes were very singed but he was fine and he just walked out and the flames were just coming off of him and his clothes that was some really good cgi i love the look of that yeah and that's when the judas bullet happened and that's i guess a new version that explodes or did they explode before i don't know no Claire thinks because remember in season one, because of the Judas bullet, him getting injured, they had to go and dip him in the bath again. Right. I know why he's better now, but I didn't realize they exploded before. Well, the Judas bullet was able to go in and then kind of. And then explode. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's how they hurt. But this Judas bullet wasn't able to do anything. And then all of a sudden he's really emboldened. He goes around to the police station, tells him Judas Bullet, and it's kind of bragging a little bit. And he goes over to Maria, said, Dad, can't take me out. Here you go. Here's your Judas Bullets. I will come for you if you do anything. And she gets all mad and pissed off at that. So he goes to talk to Claire, and that's when they talk about, hey, you might have some more immunity to it. And the Velcro effect, I believe, is what she called it. Also, uh, was a fight. It was brutal. Actually, it was when Bushmaster came in to do the takeover of the Jamaican gang. That was brutal. I remember that the first time that I watched it, I didn't want to see it the second time. So I looked away. And by the time I looked back, it was during the real gruesome part. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to see that again. But that was, that was really gruesome. This is the reason why the series is on Netflix. You won't see that on primetime TV. No, you won't. 
The second episode had a Todd Bowles cameo. Now, Michelle, I know that you just love sports, professional sports. You just can't get enough of them. So you want to tell me who Todd Bowles is? He's a coach of a sports ball team. I think of the football. Of the football. You're right. He was, at the time this was made, he was the head coach of the New York Jets from 2015 to 2018. So that was the big Todd Bowles cameo right there. This was the episode that you get to meet Tilda. You mentioned Tilda before. I want to talk specifically that I don't think that Mariah really cares at the beginning too much about Tilda because if she really did, she would have reached out to Tilda way before now. This is just a political necessity for her, for lack of better terms. I know it's not politics, but this is a political necessity for her to have the reunion with her daughter, mending fences, being able to do that so that she can have a better look towards the public. Yeah, been on that end too. I really feel for her because you have that, you know, down deep, you still want your parent, even though you get older, part of you, you know, your parent comes back, I've changed, let's have a relationship. And she's fallen for it. And I've kind of been there. And I'm just like, oh, Tilda, 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 Tilda. She's smarter than that. I know she's smarter than that. But it's an emotional thing, SP. Look, I don't know about your personal life, but when you have weird relationships with your parents and you have estrangement, there's baggage and manipulation. And sure, I'm sure in her head, she knows in her head she knows but then there's that part of her in her heart but she came all the way down here and she didn't lecture me she didn't accuse me of wasting two hundred thousand dollars in med school she seems to know and respect what i've been doing and she can't help it she fell for it she did because she went to the club to meet her afterwards yeah although that was after bushmaster came in right that was after So it could have been, maybe I need to have some relationships here with somebody that might be able to protect me because Bushmaster was not, and she knows what that stuff is used for too. He was not a not imposing figure. True. Claire in the first, I think it was the first episode, could have been at the beginning of the second episode. Anyway, she takes pictures, selfies. And in the selfie, she's able to get pictures of the meeting that's happening in the main office through the big window that's there. I thought that was that player is amazing at this sort of stuff, but she's not fooling anybody. I mean, she's there for a reason. Mariah knows she's there for a reason. And so they get shoot out when Luke Cage comes in. Luke very wisely decides not to start a ruckus and get Claire out of there. But in the process, they find out who these three people are. So then Luke starts to shake the tree of the three. And then he ends up finding, and we'll talk about this later, but going to Cockroach's girlfriend's place. And, and then he finds him. He's got like a six barrel shotgun, six barrels. And Luke's like, that's not going to do anything to me. Wrong, Luke. It is still momentum. So six shotgun shells are going to push you backwards, big guy. Yeah, I'm going, hey, look, he got shot by physics. That's what it was. It, it wasn't well, that's the what gun. happened to him in the first season, too, right? When yeah. he had the concussion. Yeah, it's 
that's you know Claire's point. It's like, yeah, sure, you're you're hard to shoot, but there's still other forces that can hurt you, and physics and gravity are two of them. And <laughs> I loved Claire afterwards when he is his elbow oh, or his, oh, his the, shoulder the, is the out of shoulder the shoulder, and he's and she just went, oh, you can't do that lethal weapon stuff. That's just you can't <laughs> do that at all. I love the lethal weapon drop there that was awesome because in lethal weapon of course mel gibson was famous for just going up to a pole or a wall or a tree or something and, and resetting his shoulder because it got out of socket once or twice every movie that they did and they did i think they did four of them it's famously or infamously called the lethal weapon move right now and i don't think it showed him trying it luke cage trying it but obviously it didn't work so claire course use leverage and and the positioning and whatever and set it back in because well she's night nurse exactly and there was even a song letting us know that in the club yeah all right the last thing that i have to talk about is domestic violence so before we get there let's go over anything that you have yet to say uh maybe the cinematography that you wanted to make a note about again yellow is luke's color First season had that yellow tint cinematography continue it here. He's even wearing like the yellow tie. We have the yellow guitar in the club. The woman singer is wearing yellow. In many African cultures, I'm not going to say all, Africa is not, you know, monolithic culture, but in many different African cultures, yellow is a significant color. It represents warmth, the sun, rebirth. You know, gold, red, gold, and green are predominant flag colors for many African nations. So when you know that, having yellow associated with Luke Cage, the person who is power and has reborn and, and such, it, it makes sense. Not just, I know in the comic book, he had like a yellow shirt or whatnot, but actually taking what yellow actually means and using it in this way, I enjoyed it in the first season, and I enjoy it in this season as well. Fish was amazing again in this season. Taking his 10%. No more, no less. But he's right. You've got to pay rent. You know, we talk about, you know, you don't, you know, for artists get the whole People want to hire them. It's like, how am I going to get paid? Oh, exposure. Do it for the exposure. It's like exposure doesn't pay rent. It doesn't put food on your table. You need something called money because we live in a capitalistic society. And that's even true in the Marvel universe. Luke's, you know, rent's gone up. The insurance has gone up because it seems as though they have to move out of pops because of that. You know, that's real life. Jessica goes through it. Luke's got to go through it. It's the post-Defenders era. One of the things I didn't realize, and I think Lauren mentioned this in the first season, but the showrunner, Cheo Hadari Coker, he actually came up as a hip-hop journalist in the entertainment industry. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get so many phenomenal performers in this series. It's not just the performances, but the music actually means something, right? It does. Whether you have the woman, you know, singing about Kiss Me Right Now, then the guy in the second episode was talking about 
the song was about money. If I had all this money, like I would buy an island, I would do this. And it's up there. And it's just great. You know, it starts with the musician and then it goes up and it's this up angle of Mariah with drinking hands, listening to the song about this guy, you know, and having money. And that's like what she wants. She wants all this money to buy her peace, to buy her legitimacy, to, you know, solve all of her problems. And she just needs that 20 million so she can get it to that piranha. His name's piranha. His name's piranha or pariah. Either pariah. way, you, you don't, whether it's, okay, it's pariah. Pariah isn't better as well. The name pariah it's like that should be like the biggest red flag mariah the guy's name is pariah not good not good not good at all another not good thing and the last thing that i want to talk about is of course the domestic violence and how bad of a guy cockroach is i don't think we saw the personal life of cockroach in season one we're seeing it now where he's got the girlfriend and his i'll just call it his son in the apartment and they alluded to it before when Luke Cage was trying to find him with the neighbor who was saying that he beats on her all the time. And when Cockroach came back, I think the neighbor called Luke Cage. So Luke runs in and Cockroach is just true to form and then it starts beating up on his girlfriend and the son. And Luke Cage comes in right before Cockroach hits his son. You don't know if Cockroach was really going to hit the sun or not. He was definitely threatening to do so. This is a statement that Marvel TV has not been afraid of. Definitely not in Netflix to do these darker parts of humanity. And this was one of them. And even though Luke Cage came in and quote unquote saved the day, he did so in front of the girlfriend and the son who were traumatized to begin with. Now they're watching somebody come in and beat the boyfriend or the dad right in front of their face. That's traumatic too. There is not a good thing that came out of this. However you look at it, it was, it was very uncomfortable to watch. It was domestic violence is complicated. Solving it with violence. Does it help as we saw before? Luke Cage is actually a way for criminals to make bail, to get charges dropped, to get out of situations. Because again, Luke Cage is seen as a vigilante. He's not a cop. So they're using that. So it's not as though. So, okay. So here's the thing. I don't know what happens next as he does, but he comes in, he beats up cockroach. What's next? Cockroach is even a cockroach can't press charges. He can't because guess what? It's Luke Cage. He burst in. He did all this stuff. You know, cockroach can play all innocent that he didn't do anything. The cops weren't called. All of a sudden, for some reason, Luke Cage barges in. It doesn't protect the mother and son because after Luke Cage leaves, guess what? She's still going to be in the same. She's going to be in the same apartment with the same economic restrictions that she had before. And that's really one of the reasons that domestic violence can keep going is because there is a lack of the support system. Where can she go? Does she have, a, you know, if 
she's been in this situation before. She obviously hasn't been able to find a way out. And coming along, beating up cockroach, and then being able to walk away does not solve the problem. It doesn't. They set it up beautifully when Luke Cage went to the police station with Arturo. And the new captain was saying, look, you need to be brought into the fold. You can't be going out there and keep being a vigilante. Now, Luke, being a former police officer, he's smart enough to say allegedly and theoretically and and that sort of stuff as he's talking back and forth to the captain. He can be a little more straightforward with Misty, but there is that pull and push from the law enforcement that Luke Cage is outside of. And we saw it a little bit with Jessica Jones as well, where Jessica Jones had that issue going on. These people are trying to live within the confines of modern day New York City. I mean, we've already covered Iron Fist, even though it comes after this. And even Danny was having the same issue with Misty specifically. It was a theme post-Defenders now because we're seeing it with the third series post-Defenders. How do these people live as normal people? Not superheroes, not the Avengers, but how do these normal people live in the confines of modern society? And they're having a very difficult time to doing it, and these series are going through that. So it's, it's fun to watch from that perspective of thinking, okay, I become a superhero, but I'm still SP. I'm still living in the same house. I'm still going to work doing same stuff every day i gotta fit into that somehow and it's very difficult luke cage in these episodes had a problem where he worked out for the new york jets and is he really going to be a football player can you really put somebody that has superpowers on an nfl team and it be fair no Well, I mean, he was there and, you know, Nike wants to sponsor him and stuff. It's really interesting. I think this is the fundamental difference between their Netflix series and the movie MCU. In the movies, everybody's either funded by Tony Stark or they're a god who can listen, who can just go to Asgard or they have a job with S.H.I.E.L.D. Or then even if S.H.I.E.L.D. crumbles, they still like they ha- Tony Stark is their friend. Tony Stark has a bunch of money, you know, has the tower. The only one who actually comes close to having this problem is Spider-Man. And I think this reason why Spider-Man resonates with a lot of people, because he actually does have to have, you know, the separate. I have to be Peter Barker at school because I have homework. And then there's the whole superhero things. So. In the movies, that Spider-Man's really the only one that comes close to that whole push and pull of, I need to be a regular person and have a job and worry about where I'm living, as opposed to the Avengers, who you don't really have to worry about that. And it's important to note that these series, I believe all the Netflix series, took place prior to Avengers Endgame, which was in April 2019. I think a couple of these series went out in the beginning of 2019, like in January and in March, maybe, but it was all pre Endgame. So, none of it, since they've alluded to the Marvel Cinematic Universe or at least events that occurred within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether or not they're in the same multiverse, it is prior to Endgame. 
So I, I think we just have to make that note since we're talking about this in 2020. Yep. We have 11 more episodes of Luke Cage to cover in the next six weeks. It's going to be a fun ride. Are you looking forward to it? Yes, it's already better than Iron Fist. Oh, better than Iron Fist. Way better than Iron Fist. So next week, we're going to be covering Luke Cage, Season 2, Episode 3, Wig Out, and Season 2, Episode 4, I Get Physical. If you have any feedback back to us on this episode or the next couple of episodes, please make sure you get that into us, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. If you want to talk to us about the finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., please do so. We will talk about that in the future as well. In the meantime, Michelle, I think it would be really fun if the two of us just went out in a night in New York City and snuck up behind people in corners and whispered, say my name. Okay, Beyonce. Thank you to all of our listeners and our viewers on YouTube. We really appreciate all the thumbs up you give on YouTube. By the way, that is really cool. We're seeing an uptick in thumbs up and subscriptions and smashing that notification bell. I believe that's what the YouTubers say. So thank you very much for that. And thank you for all the reviews that we've received. We have received some new Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. iTunes reviews or Apple Podcast reviews. We'll be talking about those in the future. So thank you very much for that. Thanks for all the support during Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, thank you for hanging around, you know, realizing that we're not going away yet. So yeah, I hope you're happy about that, that we're still sticking around. Because I am. I'm happy about it. I'm happy too. I'm also happy that Mac maintained being the director, so the intro and the outro didn't have to change, but look out for that in the future. I just haven't gotten around to it now. Man, I'm busy. Producer SP is busy. So until next time, I'm producer of the show, SP. And I'm Agent Michelle. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Believe in science. 2020, y'all. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.